All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Muswire football podcast, Bowl Season Edition, part uh, A, I guess, part one, maybe. MWR.com, that's where you can find all of our great stuff of why you should watch these games. Some Bull swag we'll discuss, I guess. If you want, like that fanny pack, Matt, you a fan of, you a fan of the fanny pack? Uh, Maybe when I was like six exactly. or seven but, years old. Not that, anymore. That's a thing, obviously. For some reason, one of the gift suites or whatever they're giving out. So we'll talk, here's what we're doing today. We're talking three bowl games. We'll talk really quick about the coaching news of Gary Anderson really quick. Uh, we'll talk a little bit playoff because, like I said moments ago, before, before we recorded, Matt, why not? Everybody else is. We are doing the Las Vegas Bowl which is uh, the second bowl game on Saturday, the New Mexico Bowl, and then also the – it's the Frisco Bowl, right? I actually know the exact bowl name. San Diego State, it Ohio. Is the, the DXL Frisco Bowl, yes. There's so many bowls in Dallas, I seriously forgot, because you have the Cotton Bowl, you have the um, First Responders Bowl, you have the Armed Forces Bowl is near nearby Fort Worth. Dallas, I think, has this market saturated for bowl games, market cornered. So, I think you might be right. But yet again, going to Dallas in late December, January is not really a treat, even though you think you're down south, they're going to be warm. I be All I could say, beware of ice storms. Aztec fans, beware of ice storms. They're the worst. Hmm. <laughs> all right, should we get to playoff stuff, I guess? Just because everybody's saying we should talk about it because that's the, the thing to do. Let's do it. Do you care about the playoff, about expanding, changing from four to whatever? Well, uh, I mean, I think if it gives the Mountain West uh, at least a more reasonable chance at securing a berth, I think we've seen that within the first five years, a, a good undefeated group of five team can climb their way into the top 12. And with a little bit of luck, they can climb a little bit higher than that. Um, so I think that with the schedules on the horizon for some of the teams that we consider contenders right now, I think that any kind of expansion should be welcomed. Like personally, I've always wondered why they don't do an NFL style 12 team playoff, but I think even expanding it to eight uh, is a good sign for the mountain West as a whole. All right. Um, you want to know a good scheduling news? I just noticed here. Cause I went over to FBS schedule, FB schedules just to see you mentioned those hard heated schedules teams have up USF who we, um, We've mentioned their schedule in the past a few times, right? Yes. They just scheduled a, a South Carolina State game. Oh, boy. However, an adjust future series with Florida. So, eh. hmm. <laughs> um, Whatever. It's, I just I just happen to see that right now just because that's next year. But what's your um, – so I know, I'd love NFL style would be nice. It would cause a uh, lot of – not upheaval. But yeah, it would be upheaval for standard scheduling, get division winners in there, conference winners in there. But, like, what was your um, – the talk right now – let's actually back up. The talk is to go to eight teams mm-hmm. at the midway point, which was the worst-kept secret before the playoff even was actually finalized with its first 12-year deal. Simple midway point, all the big bowl games, Cotton, Fiesta, Peach, uh, Orange, all that stuff. We always get to host a semifinal once. Mm-hmm. Great. Go to eight. The, if it's going to go to eight, it's going – the reason it's going to be eight is because – or what they want it to be is because you want every – Big time conference to get in because the Big Ten hasn't been in what is it three straight years now, Matt? Big Ten champion left out. I think so. Pac yeah. 12's been left out a couple times. Big Ten. I mean, excuse me, Big 12. So the thing that's I was listening to Solid Verbal. Well, before I get to that, that's what it's going to be. They're going to do some group of five thing right now. The best team gets in. That's fine. It's better. More teams is better. And it's not going to diminish any conference championship game because you see Dan Woken or people or even Tim Brando saying, let's get rid of the championship weekend. Doesn't matter. Or SEC is never going to get rid of it. Do we mm-hmm. have to get rid of games? No. 
Why would we? Are you of the mindset that it'll hurt players too much if they play an extra game or two? Well, <sighs> I mean, in general, not specifics, but like you play another game or so. Is that really that big a deal? I think it kind of depends on your perspective because it could make the argument that yes, it would if you're like me and you think that they should just pay the players at some point. Well, that's especially, story, yes. especially if they keep extending the, the season in, in various ways because, yeah, you get the, the cost of attendance of a full ride of education and things like that. But um, if, if that number remains static as the workload increases, at some point that's going to become really unfair. And there's plenty of critics out there who already think that it's – it's exploitative. Shout out to Brandon, our buddy. He's always wants to pay players. <laughs> pay the players, man. Yeah, Roll especially for it. especially since they're making a mint off of off of their work. Yeah, and as long as the Big Ten make a fifty million a year in TV deal, UCF lets to build a freaking lazy river instead of giving players a couple bucks. It's and that money's gonna go up too, right? More games, more money to the TV t- or the media rights deal, and also what's really not to go to pay player things. But the reason some of these schools build stuff like what UCF is looking to do or Alabama or specifically state schools, it's like a use it or lose it type of deal. You have to spend the money, mm-hmm. which is why they're typically, when you see the end of year profit versus revenue or and probably money spent, like the Department of Education type things, it's going to be basically as zero. They want to be as close to zero as possible because yeah. if they don't spend that money on not just football, but athletics in general, whether it's upgrading the softball field, the swimming pool, a locker room for the lacrosse, basketball, and rugby. Well, not rugby, but individual, other division, minor-ish division one teams. They have mm-hmm. to spend it. Why can't they use, I don't know, and it's not we're getting a topic, but you're right. If there's more games, there should be more back to, because I'm not watching the game to see uh, Jeff Tedford coach, are you? I'm watching nope. to see what Marcus McMarion and Jeff Allison will do against Arizona State. Exactly. So, as, let me get back to my solid verbal thing really quick. Um, it's going to be eight, not Google higher. They are mentioning, which they do some pretty good things. Nike, Danny Cannell said the same thing. What do they want the champion to be? Do they want it to be a playoff? Or as Cannell said, and as these guys said, like, is it an invitational? Because those are two completely different things. I mean, I think that comes down to the whole argument that we were having about Georgia a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. where they came in, they were what, ranked number four? I believe so. Top four there. The, yeah. And and they lost to Alabama and people were still trying to make the argument that they were number four. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I think there's something in the system that needs to change and whether it's something drastic, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Bill Connolly's pods idea. I I need to go back and look at it. I have not looked at it closely enough. So explain it to me and everybody else here. Essentially what the idea is, is rather than having set divisions, the there are three games per conference that are protected every year like in i think he calls them protected rivalries oh okay yes and basically you'd have those same three games every year you'd have a different non-conference schedule every year and then everything else in conference play would rotate so you would have five games against different teams every single year and i think that that would eliminate a lot of the uh imbalance between some divisions for instance um you know, go to go look at the ACC, for instance, where despite what certain Central Florida fans would tell you, Pitt is not the second best team in the ACC just because they won that division. And neither is Utah for winning the South also. So, and so yeah. And so it's it's one of those ideas that the more I think about it, the more it starts to make a lot of sense. 
but I mean, obviously it's one of those unrealistic or I don't want to call it unrealistic, but it's one of those overhauls that it's going to take a lot of time to, to find weight from the powers that be. Yeah. It's a slow moving process. I think because well, let me we'll kind of maybe let me get back to actually answer the question I asked, not to put you on the spot, but do you want because every other sport is decided by I know it's not NCAA sanctioned college football, well it is, but not to, the postseason is not. I should say, let me clarify. Hmm. Every other sport in in this uh, NCAA division one through whatever again football's not. You have exact criteria to get in for automatic burst to get to playoff. There's only Whatever you want to say, to get to the playoff right now, it's four at-large teams. That's all it is. There's no guaranteed way to make the playoff. Unlike basketball, when your conference tournament, any other sport, when your conference, you get in. This is the only sport where it is four at-large teams. And so they've always said the best versus most deserving teams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, what if they expand to eight, it, it, it puts in – if it were going to be at eight, it should be guaranteed spots, which it seems like it would be. And that's why – You'd still, I know we're bouncing around from your pod thing, but that'd make scheduling a bit better as well to play, make it more fair instead of playing crap teams or different scheduling. But there has to be a set criteria to make it more fair because it's never going to people bring up six and five power teams or comp. They don't, they don't go out and say it, but five guaranteed spots for prior champs. Notre Dame's ever go for that. They have a spot because that six spot would go to UCF or Boise or Hawaii the one year and NIU. That'll never fly. So it's going to go to eight. But I want to see something strict criteria in place that's definitive. That's a start. Mm-hmm. And again, keep conference championship games. Again, there's so many week zero games. Like I know the complaint. Oh, there's nobody on campus. There's this. There's that. But why not start the week not last week of August and push everything up? You play campus games, but that's where you got to start with. I think this is the main criteria, and that way it's more of a playoff than an invitational type tournament with every bid being at large. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where I stand. Do you think that's? that's I think that's fair. Makes sense. But what what will happen? It'll probably just be. I don't know what will happen, but to my my stance has always been the same. To every conference gets a guaranteed bid because you make the you win your conference. You get six at large bids. You're still going to be valued winning your conference championship. You're still going to be valued being a higher seed to host, say, Appalachian State from Sun Belt or whoever wins the MAC to play number one, number two team. That makes sense, just because you get a better advantage it's an eight nine would be what boise like say this year fresno state versus uh i don't know whoever number nine would be you know what i mean like mm-hmm. washington state or something <laughs> that that doesn't benefit you for doing that but when your conference you're in automatically you get higher there's still a lot of benefit the regular season crap well it doesn't matter but if you're telling me in the mac mountain west like this weekend or that last championship weekend how big a deal was it for ucf to win the game had they lost mountain west game would have been so much more valuable mm-hmm so that's where I stand. Have home games and have the season go a couple more weeks. Again, give player a couple bucks. But that's where I think she'll ha- will happen. That'll be probably forty years down the road if it does happen, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just if it's gonna be, it's gonna be eight teams. It's gonna be the same situation for the Mountain West or anybody any other smaller league to get in, and that's fine. Give me a chance because tell me that Rose Bowl TCU team, Utah 08, Boise State a couple times. Uh, Western Michigan couldn't win a game against a decent opponent. Come on, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's where I stand. Do we? Need, I think we're done there. There's nothing more to add because it's all until the SEC says, "Yeah, we'll do it" or whatever. It's not going to be done. Which good luck, right? But I, I guess get back to your pod thing. Like what they? Well, this could be an off season show later. We'll get to. But every every conference should play the same amount of conference games. 
And if you want mm-hmm. to start balanced schedules, I know playing FCS teams is uh, pays their school for the year athletics. Make some uniform schedule, like start small. That's easier than doing like the pod system or guaranteed rivals or even getting rid of divisions in totality in mm-hmm. tough conference and decide the regular season. But get rid of FCS teams, that's fine. It's what it is. And then play eight or nine conference games, probably eight, because if you have eight, there's four more chances to play more interesting out of conference games. Mm-hmm. Whether it be Alabama, USC, or whether it be like Boise State, Georgia. Like, come on, those things need to happen. Or wishless, Matt. UCF versus Fresno or UCF for somebody out here, right? Memphis. Can we drown Memphis somehow? One can hope. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's what we're going for. That's uh, we've talked enough about that. Should we get to actually the games people came here to listen to? I think let's do it. All right. Saturday we have, there's a total of, I think five college football games. So there'll be a lot of eyeballs watching the games, Matt. So mm-hmm. don't get nervous. Fresno fans, Fresno team. <laughs> Are they going to be concerned about playing with the sun up? The sun will be out. And bright. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll. I think it'll be fine. It's not like they haven't seen the sun around here before. Uh, just just, we do. Uh, we do live in a place where uh, the, there's hardly any rain. Exactly. No, All right. First game. Let's go in a chronological order. North Texas Mean Green taking on Utah State. That is on ESPN. Uh, Eleven a.m. Pacific. Twelve local kick. The is it still the Gildan New Mexico Bowl? It is. Because I'm looking at our this notes. It doesn't say. It just says New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque. So the big news about this, Matt, is that um, oh yeah, it's on ESPN. Obviously, we've mentioned that. Uh, who's going to coach Utah State? Do they have enough coaches to fill the sideline? <laughs> that is an excellent question. I don't know. They might, maybe, maybe. Um, they they uh, if you have if you're under the rock, Gary Anderson has officially been hired as a coach. He will not be taking part in any of the bowl, any bowl prep, any bowl anything. Um, they, they do have uh, – Matt Wells is helping with bowl prep, but not going to be there at all. He was going to first day be at the game, decided not to. Probably doing big recruiting weekend for Tech and everything with early signing period. Yeah. The one best news is that David Yost is going to be calling the plays on offense. I did hear about that, yeah. That is probably the best news possible out of all of this. And the, who um, Frank Mila is going to be run, the head coach. He's the – Technically, I think as a co-DC, off-defense line coach, he'll be the main guy, but they've been shuffling like, all right, GA's going to be this, you're going to be this, everybody move up a peg. Because it might be, that could be an issue because continuity is a big deal. But I think if Yost is around, it's going to be, it'll be okay. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right about that. And so the big thing about this game, I want I think, is offense. If people, like, oh, they're playing North Texas, who cares? Do people know North Texas is like top 25 in like every offensive category, either standard numbers like points per game, yards yards per game, plays yards per play, and even overall like FBS and FEI and football study hall advanced numbers are still like a top 30 team offensively? I think it's it's one of those things. I, I don't blame Mountain West fans for not paying attention much to Conference USA. Oh, boy. I think you could make a pretty convincing argument that the fact that the mean green went nine and three this year was something of a disappointment because they got at least a little bit of talk. They were in kind of that Florida Atlantic group in the preseason where maybe they could be a dark horse to make a run at the, uh, the new year's day six bowl berth. And the three games that they lost were by were they were each by one score. They didn't lose a single game this year by more than eight points. And, you know, two of those games were on the road. So it's not like they're coming in under the radar. This is a really good team, even by the advanced numbers, too. You know, they, they're a top 40 
as far as offensive S&P Plus. They're top 50 by defensive S&P Plus. And, oh, by the way, we we know pretty much all about Utah State's special teams. Um, but North Texas has really good special teams, too. They're fifth nationally in that regard by S&P Plus. And most notably, the fake fair catch crushing Arkansas soul. For That's that. true. <laughs> we can't forget about that. I mean, I, I would really doubt that they would bust that out again. But even without they, that, they're still good doing those things. But they've used it to their advantage in a lot of different ways. You know, they're they're 15th as far as offensive starting field position in the country. That is something else that they have in common with the Aggies themselves. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup by two teams that have a lot in common, especially on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, they have, and also coaching news on their side. Cecil Charles looking at Kansas State; he's sticking around. They're, I think, their offensive coordinator sticking around. So they, it almost could have been the coachless bowl or something in this game. In yeah, it could have been a complete mess, but he's sticking around. So that's big for them. They also have a, they might. Mason Fine as good or better than Jordan Love Conference USA back-to-back player of the year? He is really good. Um, I admit that I haven't seen North Texas play as much as I would have liked in the last couple of years, but I think it's pretty fair to say that the numbers speak for themselves. They're, you know, what is it, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions, Mm -hmm. completion rate of almost 65%. So even if they don't quite run the same kind of up-tempo attack that we're used to seeing from the Aggies. Like, as far as adjusted pace, they're actually right around the national average, I think. Maybe a little bit below the national average, actually. But they have found a way to be efficient through the air. You know, they're top 50 by passing SP+. They're still above average as far as passing downs. Mm -hmm. So Mason Fine, obviously, what he does is going to define a lot of how this game unfolds. And it's going to be really interesting to see if Utah State's defense is up to the challenge because we've seen them be a very turnover-happy unit all season long. But that was one of those things that really got away from them in the game against Boise State that closed the year. They didn't really get to Burt Ripon as much as I think anybody would have hoped. And they... I'm trying to pull up, I'm trying to pull it up right now. And they also didn't force any turnovers. They actually turned it over twice in that game, which made a huge difference. So I think that if they can get back to what they were doing pretty much week in and week out before that and put a lot of pressure on fine, force him into a mistake, I think the offense is good enough to be able to, you know, kind of put the mean green at arm's length. Yeah, and also we'll switch to defense in a minute, but they're, they're I think the main edge is the defense for what Utah State has compared to North Texas. That'll probably be the big edge, but this would be a game where like there could be a lot of points. Like their red zone efficiency in conference USA is pretty good. It's just an interesting set. They have did you know they had thirty seven red zone touchdowns? I did. That's a lot. Yes. That's quite a bit. <laughs> they 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 get in the red zone a lot. So I was looking like, oh, they have long touchdowns, short touchdowns, but they're they're pretty good. They're efficient, like you mentioned. Also I would like to as well, like they run the ball pretty well, they pass the ball pretty well. Like Rico Busey has a thousand receiving yards. Mm-hmm. They have two guys, like three guys over forty plus catches. So the one area where I, I kind of not poke you can poke holes it's sort of that secondary if Utah State a little bit and if he could have Mason Fine could have time to throw the ball that could be an area where they get points and move the ball down the field and then they get his hand off to DeAndre Torrey geez only 14 touchdowns he's pretty good mm-hmm. to carry so this will be like looking at offenses they played at Utah State this might be what number 
three. Boise it's definitely State. one of the better ones. Yeah, Michigan State and Boise State probably in that same category, I'd say, right? Well, and that's not to say that the defense is any kind of slouch either for North Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of playmakers that Utah State fans are going to need to be aware of. Maybe starting first and foremost at the linebacker position where EJ Ajia, without looking it up, do you know how many tackles for loss he has this year? Since you bring up his name, I'm going to say a lot. I'm going to say, not an absurd number, but like, I'll go 15 and a half. Be sort of conservative. That's probably low, I'm guessing. 23. That's pretty good. It's yeah. Really, it's really good. Between he and Brandon Garner and Joe Ozugu, you know, they have 47 tackles for loss between them and a havoc rate overall that ranks eighth in the comp, eighth in the, in the country, excuse me, by, you know, that particular unit. And so that is going to be a really unique challenge for the Utah State running game because we we have been accustomed to seeing them really set up a lot with Darwin Thompson and Gerald Bright all year long. And that was another one of those things that really got bottled up in the game against Boise. You know, they only averaged 3.8 yards per carry and they only had a success rate of 39%, which when you compare that to what they had been doing all season long, it's well below what we had been seeing, you know, by, uh, I'm trying to look up what they were doing as far as opportunity rate and, and stuff, right? Um, like you, you're talking about a top 25 rushing attack, basically that was held in check in that finale. Yeah. So that's another one of those things that's going to have to reemerge. And that's one of those things that like it was against the Broncos is going to be easier said than done. Yeah, because like, no, I didn't mean North Texas was a bad defense. But like overall, oh, like, no, no. I know what you mean. Yeah, they're, it's just not – the offenses are more evenly matched for the defense. But then again, like two of the top 20 players in TFLs are those two guys you mentioned from North Texas. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a level competition thing, but it's not like Utah State's schedule is all that great who they played. They mm-hmm. just were, were fortunate to miss the best teams in the West. So And they played the BYU team who wasn't great at the time. But – I think that's going to be a kind of, that's probably going to be a difference. Like, can you mention the running game get going? I assume the passing game will be okay. Throwing to run Cave and Carver. They don't have, um, is, um, I know we mentioned before the NFL draft status. Is Dax, or no, yeah, is he playing in this game? I haven't heard anything. I think he just declared that's all in right? that regard. Yeah. I should check the depth chart, but I just thought of that as I'm speaking right now. Cause maybe I'll check the two deep here real quick, but he declared for the draft. Let's just see real quick. Cause if he doesn't play, that could be an issue. Um, because there are players skipping bowl games. Nope, he's listed as starting tight end. He probably just declared that's all it was. So just double check in there. So gotcha. get him involved because there's guys like we talked about the Arizona State game. There are guys out not playing, skipping bowl game, hired agent. A lot of other guys, Will Greer and Oliver around the country, just kind of a dozen plus or saying, oh, I'll see you later. I'll prepare for the NFL. Mm-hmm. So getting the ball around different players will be fine. I think if the – if you just say how to be one-dimensional throw the ball more, I think that's okay, but still not ideal because – how good are they in third down? They can convert third and long every single time. That's going to be too much to handle. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying it's not easy. I'd rather have third and two than third and eight every time, right? Well, I I, I don't want to discount the Aggies' chances of doing that too much because, mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the things that really stood up about, uh, about Brett Rippon's year was how good he was in passing downs. But Utah State is still just outside the top 20 as far as passing downs. And – they basically don't give up sacks in those situations. They've only given up a sack in 2.5% of, of attempts in those situations. Mm-hmm. So North Texas is going to have its hands full. And, and one of the things that really jumped out to me in thinking about this game is we talked about the level of competition that Utah State has faced this year. 
Do you realize that at least by Bill Connolly's stat profile that North Texas ranks dead last in strength of schedule? Whoa, dead last. Arkansas is that bad? They dragging the schedule down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, and well, I, I don't know if that says more about North Texas or about the quality of playing Conference USA. Well, here's the thing real quick. They played Liberty non-conference and Incarnate Word. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, and it's UTEP in things... conference play. There you go. UTEP, that's it. <laughs> Because we saw, like, we saw Boise State fans, for instance, making the argument that Utah State hadn't faced a team like Boise State all year long. And to a certain extent, they were right, because Boise State was able to hold the offense in check. I think you could reasonably say the same thing about North Texas uh, coming into this game, too, because what is the best team that they've beaten this year? Is it Florida Atlantic? Is it, uh, is it SMU? I mean, is SMU going I, to I would, are they going to bowl game? I don't even know. They Who are cares? no Who five. Cares? I'm just saying five. You're right though. Arkansas is not good because uh, they lost to Louisiana Tech, who's good, pretty good. UAB and by the way, congrats to um, head coach. He won Eddie Roberts, coach of the year, just now. So mm-hmm. for turn, that huge turnaround there, and I guess it could be FAU. I'm guessing, and they're not going to a bowl game either. So it's going to be really interesting to see how North Texas stacks up because Utah State's going to be motivated to come out and win this game. I hope they're focused because that's the only concern. Like without a coach, all these new guys doing things, but that's my one big concern. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually beat, yeah, they beat. Unless Southern Miss went to bowl game, they did not beat a team who's going bowling. Southern Miss, they're six and five. They are not going to bowl game. So mm-hmm. they beat one team with the, I guess, winning record six and five. But it looks like nobody they beat is going bowling. So. Hmm. Unless Arkansas, they sneak in a four win somehow. <laughs> no, <just laughs> no. Uh, so all right, so. The line, we never mentioned a lot in this game. Is it what? So, shoot. Is it what? Seven for Utah State, I think it was? Uh, it started at Utah State minus 11. It has dropped oh. to Utah State minus seven and a half. Okay. that's. I think this is going to be fairly close. Um, what What is football outsiders or football study hall say for the S&P projected win? Oh, you know what? I forgot to look that up. <laughs> you want to vamp for a minute? I will. I'm pull, I'm, I want to do that while I pulled up my good old team rankings and, and number fire as well. Um Let's check real quick the pick center. Also, real quick, hey, you know what we know what we should do real quick? We never mentioned bowl gifts, Matt. That's true. I'll do that while I look that up because this, should, this is very important. I mentioned Fanny Pack. That's a different game. So here's the thing. They get a Oakley Jupiter squared sunglasses. That's pretty cool. They get some Oakley stuff. They get a backpack. They get a Bluetooth speaker, a water bottle, a beanie. It can get cold there in Albuquerque, folks. Put that on the sideline. They actually get some good stuff. A Montgomery pen. What's that? Fountain pen? Pacific Headwear Trucker's Cap and a gift suite on top of that. So that's a pretty good price pack, I think. It's not bad. Better, yeah, we'll get to others that are not so good later on, but that's not okay, too bad. Okay, so, uh, so S&P Plus, by the way, has this scheme, Utah State 31, North Texas 28. A little close one. Only three point, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so pick center here over at Team Rankings and Number Fire. They've, they've been mar- larger. You know, team Ranking 37-31, 40-29 for Number Fire. Hmm. Over-under... Gotta get risky here, Matt. Sixty-seven and a half. Ooh, okay. That's all, that's all, right. um, I'm feeling that. I my prediction: Utah State wins. I guess I'll give a score prediction here. I guess I should jot it down so we can note it later. Because I kind of did my picks, but I didn't pick the score in our little spreadsheet we have or Google Doc. Mm-hmm. I think Utah State's going to win because I think they'll be they'll be fine with David Yost. That's why I'd be concerned. Defense, if they have the head coach out there, the interim coach uh, Frank Mila doing fine, doing good things. I think Utah State will be. A, they won't go off for 50 or 60, but I think they'll win 35-28. Uh, 
I mean, I think it's going to be pretty competitive for a while. I think the final score is going to be deceptive in that I think it's going to be very competitive, and I think North Texas is going to give them a good showing. But I do kind of expect Utah State to cover seven and a half. I need to change my pick, but go ahead and finish because I realized I picked them to cover as well earlier. So go ahead. So I think it's going to be – I'm going to go Utah State 41, North Texas 30. Okay. All right. I got, I'm going to change mine real quick. 38, um, 38-28. As I write in my email, Utah State 38, Utah State 28. All right. <laughs> That's not going to happen. North Texas with 28 points. Um, all right. So we're about the halfway point here. Let's take a quick break. Going back in a second here, folks. Welcome back. You ready for day t- game two, Matt? You will Absolutely. Be, you are going to be live in Las Vegas for this game. Yes, I will. The uh, Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. How many times did they require you to say that in the uh, credential you received? I don't know that they require me to say it at all. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm just asking. But at least, at least I hope not. I hope they don't like break my legs when I get there. Hey, you just said no, and, and, and claim that I didn't say Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl enough. That's true. Also, um, you would think with the bowl game be the Mitsubishi bowl game players might get a car or something. That'd be nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Here's what they get. I'll start with the the um, gifts pack for Arizona State Fresno State. They get a Las Vegas Bull hat and beanie. Cool. The fanny pack. Branded fanny pack. Are people seriously wearing fanny packs anymore? Or is this like a gag gift you give at those white elephant to Christmas to your – or give it to your little six-year-old brother or nephew? Well, I'm pretty sure that there's a niche industry of wearing fanny packs to uh, imitate The Rock. That's true. There's that. And that's pretty niche, though. That's about the only reason I, I have for investing in a fanny pack at this point. I would say if you're a parent of some sorts, because that could be, I've never worn it, but that could be helpful if you have a little one to put like the small little stuff in there. But it's just, that's going to be a future gag gift for years to come. A re gift, you know, I'd say. They also have a gift suite of 300 bucks, which who knows what that would be because it doesn't specify. That's basically you go to your local Target, Best Buy, or something. Here's 300 bucks to get what you want. So Mm -hmm. that's always good. If you could pick your own items, that's always a positive, I'd say, right? Yeah. So this game is on. ABC, Matt. Yes, it is. That's a pretty big deal. They also have the number one team there, Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet, Tom Rinaldi's hanging out. That's a pretty big deal for this game. Fresno State ranked. Arizona State not ranked. Arizona State, I think they are not too excited to be in this game because they are in the mix for the Pac-12 title game. However, when you finish 7-5, you can't really complain too much, can you? Well, they finished strong too. I think that mm-hmm. you could have made a you could have made an argument for packing it in mid October, but to their credit, as I think we mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts, uh, they ended up winning four or five down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And while maybe they didn't have that many dominant wins, you know, three of the four wins that they had were by three points or less, three points or fewer. Excuse me. Yes, get that right. Uh, <laughs> Got to get that right. <laughs> To their credit, you know, they played well. And a lot of that is going to be, uh, I mean, a lot of that is owed to a lot of the players who will be playing in this bowl game. Like, obviously, one of the big headlines is that Keel Harry won't play. That's right. But I don't know that he would have been the number one person to worry about in this matchup anyway. Why is that? Because I mentioned, real quick, three, I put it three, reason, three good reasons to watch this game. I'm like, uh, who's going to step up for him? Just because the number two and three, not pass catchers, but receivers, do not even equal up to what he did in total yards or touchdowns or catches. So 
It's because the guy you're going to want to watch and the guy that Fresno State's going to have to focus on slowing down is Eno Benjamin. And if you're, I guess if you're looking for a Mountain West comp, I don't know that it's quite one-to-one, but we talked about how Alexander Madison led the country in carries throughout November, right? Mm-hmm. So Eno Benjamin did the same thing in the Pac-12. In four games, he had uh, down the stretch, he had 586 yards and six touchdowns. He was averaging about 5.3 yards per carry. And he did a lot of the heavy lifting when they really needed him to make plays down the stretch. So I guess I would say if they could shut him down, it's going to make life a lot easier. And I think that with the defense you know, coming in plenty motivated after – maybe kind of sort of doing the same thing to Madison, at least still not allowing a lot of big plays in that championship game. They're, they're flying high and they have the talent to be able to do so. But as Benjamin's been proven basically week in week out all season long, it's easier said than done. Yeah. He, um, you're right. He has uh 277 carries on the year, five and a half per game. Here's a, here's a game you want to look at when he played, San Diego State, who has pretty good rush defense, only 21 total yards on the ground mm-hmm. on 13 carries. When they played uh, Washington, who has one of the best rush defense in the country, he did get 104 yards, but it took him 26 carries. Mm-hmm. Utah, who has probably the second-best defense in the Pac-12, really good in the country, he torched them for over six, almost 6.5 yards per carry with 175. Mm-hmm. But you're right. That last month, from basically from Halloween on, like USC, you, oh, whatever, they're not great this year, but they use the talent. 185, 175, 182, 149. And then Arizona kind of slowed them down in the shootout because they probably, I think they had to pass a bit more than they wanted to. So mm-hmm. basically, yeah, you're right. He's had no fewer, like, he just runs the ball like crazy. 20, 25 plus carries in like half his games. Well, and not only that, but Manny Wilkins is the kind of dual threat quarterback that the Bulldogs hadn't really seen a lot of this year. Obviously, he has been kind of a McMarion-esque caretaker of the offense you know he has 19 touchdowns but only four interceptions mm-hmm. a 63 percent completion rate but maybe more importantly he's been a pretty healthy complement to benjamin as far as being able to run the football after you adjust for sacks he has a shade over 500 yards and he's averaging about six yards per carry and between benjamin and wilkins they have 23 touchdowns on the ground yep. so even if they have to scale back the passing game a little bit, because I don't know if it's an open question of who's going to step up and replace all of Harry's production. Like Kyle Williams is the next, next to number one receiver up. He only has 40 catches. And while he does have a 77% catch rate, he's only averaging 10 yards per catch. Frank, Frank Darby only has 21 catches, but he's averaging 20 yards a catch, but his catch rates under 45%. So I think there's a lot of more questions when when Wilkins wants to drop back to throw. But I think that if the Bulldogs aren't careful, the Sun Devils will be able to run the ball right down their throat, as yeah. we've seen them, as we've seen some teams be able to do at, at points throughout the year. Yeah, and that's and he's been like looking at like he played again. I watched most of the Utah game. That's kind of my biggest thing in part of San Diego State uh, when they played. Also, uh, real quick to note. Um, I was gonna say, oh, maybe I misread my sheet I put up earlier. Maybe I'll I'll pass that. Nope, never mind. I'll move on. But when they played Utah, Utah's a really good defense. They mm-hmm. did lose. To, I mean, also, do we know who's officiating this game? Because Pac-12's refs are like to be willy-nilly on targeting. 
is just, that uh, is that are the Pac-12 refs? Have we made a determination as to whether they're better or worse than Mountain West refs? I'll tell you this: they throw out more people than Mountain West does. That's true. So going, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. The when they played Utah, Utah was like, "Oh, we got this. We're gonna clinch the South Division." Remember watching this game? I was able to get a Pac-12 Network feed. Luckily for me, I was able to figure it out because <laughs> you can't get mm-hmm. a Pac-12 Network. They lost Chase Hansen, who's really good. I think he's All American at some points. Um, various. Um, publication for Utah he got kicked out really quick but mm-hmm. against the Utah defense that was probably his best game of the year he was 19 24 three touchdowns just one pick almost 12 yards per per pass and that was his most yard, second most yard, third most yard sorry but best like ratio to complete 80 percent of his passes mm-hmm. and so if that Manny Wilkins shows up which who knows because he said the top receivers out he's he's you're right he's like McMarion where he may have games where like this stat line is nothing that it's like okay it's great 14 25 only 56 percent completion rate 162 yards three touchdowns they crush oregon state 52 24 mm-hmm. or there's games like the utah game 19 24 or he completes 73 percent against ucla with the touchdown at pick where he can be really good but then he can be just okay but still have like two or three touchdowns yeah where there's his floor of uh, odds of him being really bad or is, is not good like his bad game is what like the errors like whatever game a couple games I mentioned like his Washington game was his worst and he still mm-hmm. didn't turn the ball over once he was and he still completed sixty three percent of his passes but only had one hundred and four yards and so when he's bad it's still not him going three interceptions in a game and blowing it for Arizona State he's just not leading them to victory but he's not doing a lot to have them lose the game all either on his back outside of getting touchdowns or something so to get turnovers is gonna be difficult to get to sack him. It, We'll see if Jeff Allison, anybody else can get to him. But that's the, I think that's the thing about Manny Wilkins where when he's bad, he's still not a bad quarterback. Like when he, or when he doesn't play well, he's not like bad. Yeah, and, and being able to get pressure was one of those things that we talked about going into the Mountain West Championship. And to, to some extent, they were able to turn it around the second time around against Boise State. But that is another one of those things that's really integral to this matchup too because in the four games that Arizona State won down the stretch – they gave up one sack. And good. and in the loss to Oregon, not only was Manny Wilkins below 50% as far as his completion rate is concerned, they sacked him four times. So this might be the kind of situation where someone like Michael Walker could play a huge role if he can get home, put pressure on Wilkins, force him off the spot, force him into a mistake. Um but I think that's a credit to, to Arizona State's offensive line that they played really well down the stretch. But we've seen them when they get tripped up, when they when they are able to get pressure on Wilkins, that's when things can change. So if they get to him, because again, then again, he still wouldn't turn the ball over. He just their offense is stuck. Yeah. And so let's flip it around because we talked enough about this on Fresno's offense versus Arizona State defense. Mm-hmm. We've seen what like. Nobody can anybody really stop Keyshawn Johnson on this Arizona State secondary. That's an excellent question because Keyshawn Johnson. Last I heard, he's really good. <laughs> he is really good. Uh, I mean, what's really interesting to me in in looking at what Arizona State's defense has done this year is they have a lot of young guys who have really stepped up and contributed. So maybe if I'm if I'm looking for someone to to challenge Keyshawn Johnson down the field. Maybe it's someone like Chase Lucas, for instance. Um, maybe it's I, I don't know. I don't know that there's one guy that they're going to be able to put on him in the same way that, for instance, 
Boise State was able to shadow him with Tyler Horton mo- mm-hmm. most of the game. The Sun Devils don't really have that guy. But it's not to say that they can't do it as a unit because that's one of those things that has been kind of a surprise for them is they've been, if not necessarily sterling, they've been okay in some regards. Because as far as defensive SP Plus, they only rank 92nd. But if you look at some of the numbers, you know, their defensive back havoc rate, for instance, is in the top 40. They got guys back there in the defensive backfield who can step up and make plays. But we've seen McMarion stay away from making mistakes pretty much all season long. So I think that the Sun Devils are going to be really hard-pressed to force him into it. They are, because really quick, outside of like freshman Ashari Crosswell, he has like three picks. He's probably the best defender freshman. He, I look at the All-Pac-12 team. He's only, out of all this, he's only, him and Rennell Wren, sorry, defense lineman, they only had two defensive players, make, and they were both honorable mention. They had zero defensive players on first or second all conference team, and their pass defense and their pass rush isn't one that really scares you in the same way that going into the championship game against Boise. You know they don't. I don't know that they have a Curtis Weaver or Jabril Frazier type. Like Merlin Robertson, another freshman, he has had a pretty solid year: eight and a half tackles, five sacks, twelve run stuffs, but nobody on the team has more than five sacks. So it's it's very similar to Fresno State's own pass rush is that it's more of a team effort than one guy stepping up and making the difference. But I kind of expect Fresno State to be able to keep McMarion clean and for McMarion to kind of keep the ball moving down the field. Even if they don't get a lot of chunk plays, I do expect them to be able to move the ball against this defense. Yeah, the defense, like, I know Arizona's hit or miss and they should be good, but they gave up what 40 points to Arizona in the win. They barely beat Arizona is not very good. They mm. gave up 31 points losing to Oregon. Um, Oregon state is able to score 24 on them. It's like they, I don't know, 30 plus points for USC. They shut out Utah essentially when Utah, that's a fluky game because Utah is their starting quarterback and we're playing with the backup running back in that game. Mm-hmm. Like a San Diego, like go back to San Diego state game. Like they, that's a pretty good test scoring, scoring 21 against that really good defense, but their offense is, or sorry, defense. Sorry, wrong way around. Twenty-eight San Diego State. Apologies for that weak, weird play at the end. But it doesn't seem to me like looking at like as a team unit, they do stuff as a team overall. But like Fresno State's offensive line is really good, and Arizona State is like just barely above average in Pac-12 in like sacks per game. Mm-hmm. So I would expect McMurray to be fine. There's nobody that can cover Keyshawn Johnson. You got Jared Rice there, who's going to probably be a big key to this game as well. In this game, it's only a four-point edge for Fresno. I think Fresno might win by double digits. Well, I noticed that the line had crept up to five. Oh, I didn't see that. I saw four recently. It's up to five now? Yeah. Well, and you lose your best player. It's like, Herm, here's the here's the X factor. Herm will get these guys ready because he'll just do some inspiring speech to get adrenaline going. So either that the first drive on each side of the ball will be great in the first half and second half because they're pumped up or something. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of half kidding, but... I, I've seen Arizona State just like a team that's, eh. Like, how they won the Pac-12 South, that wouldn't surprise me. How they won three games this year wouldn't surprise me because they're they're good enough. Like, they, like the big key players, obviously, running the ball, and Wilkins doesn't make errors. But I don't see them at their best offensively blowing out this Fresno State defense, even if they all play great on passing and running the ball and not being sacked or just being put in bad situations. I but think they were very fortunate down the stretch. 
Yeah, because the Oregon game, they nearly came back in. That was, there was a couple, I think, a fumble thing where, like, I was kind of watching that game because I wanted Utah to go to the Pac-12 title game, which, oh, I still have nightmares watching that garbage. Well, and, and let's <laughs> not forget, like, they did win four close games down the stretch, but... From, Against bad teams. Those from three... mid-September to mid-October, they lost four straight close games, too. They lost by seven to San Diego State. They lost by seven at Washington. They lost by seven at Colorado, and, and they lost by seven at home against Stanford. Yeah. So this seems like the kind of situation where their luck could turn really quickly. Yeah, because then Arizona, UCLA, USC, non-bowl teams, they won by three. Yeah. Like their best win clearly is the Utah game, and that was with Utah getting a, a very questionable ejection uh, for uh, targeting. Utah losing their starting quarterback during the game and playing with the backup running back in game one. And so and that's how they win against an injured team. So – I'm going to say Fresno can win by at least 10 points. So what's your score prediction? My score pre- What's the over-under here? I should have that up here. I'm bouncing around. The, um, the over-under is 54 and a half. Before we get to that, um, team ranking number fires both have basically a 7, 8, 9-point victory. 30 to 23.8 for team rankings. 31.8, 22.6 for number fire. S&P Plus has it Fresno State 35, Arizona State 22. I like that. Twenty. How do you get to twenty-two, Bill? Yeah, don't. It's a projection system. It's not Bill. I. I know. He. He puts the numbers. <laughs> I don't care. He. It's. I hear podcast ain't blowing nobody and Steven. Like, what are those numbers like? I just. I just enter the there. It's not my prediction. So it's the formula's prediction. But he's like, you made the formula. So twenty-two, eleven safeties. No, not gonna happen. Um, I. I think it'll be. That the score sounded about right because I think there'll be a decent amount of points because Arizona State will find their way to get in the end zone here or there. It's just losing your top receiver. I'm going to go 35-20 Fresno State. I think it's going to be a pretty comfortable Bulldogs win. I'm going to go Fresno State 31, Arizona State 17. Okay. Let's just, um for your sake, um no repeat of last time you were in Vegas for the Vegas Bowl, okay? Yeah, let's hope not. Because we don't need to relive that. You're talking about nightmares. Whew, that's bad. USC... Man, was it Matt Lyon at the quarterback at that time? Was he still hanging around? No, I think it was Matt uh, Bartley. Who was it at that time? I think it was. Yeah, not Lyon. Who Liner was it was, in 2013? I don't remember. Yeah, not Lyon because he went to the Reggie Bush era. Maybe Matt Bar- Barkley? I don't know. All right, now let's fast forward. Here's what we're doing. We're going all the way to Wednesday because with Matt's traveling and we were kind of not going to do a million podcasts during the Christmas uh, time of year. We'll do about once a week typically. San Diego State, Ohio, Wednesday. 5 p.m. Pacific time, so it's uh, it's only a football game in town. It's uh, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 local, so it's on ESPN. Did you see this line? Ohio is a, th- a three-point favorite right now. It hasn't really moved all that much. No, I, I'm i surprised by that. So what, what do you think is the reason for that? Oh, his offense is pretty good. That's true. They put up about 470 a game. They were... Didn't they start off like I should have in front of me? I don't have their schedule, but they're like six and two to start the season off. Yes, I remember when I made my underdog top ten. I'm like, ah, where's Ohio should be because they're eight and four, and this is a non mountainous bowl. If we're under it's first go bowl, it's kind of the swapper with the I believe the Idaho bowl. Mm-hmm. But they were eight and four. They started off. They lost to Virginia, Cincinnati, pretty close. NIU, MAC champs by three. All their losses, like, are two-point loss, or, excuse me, not two-point losses, but one-position losses outside of the UVA game. Mm-hmm. And so, like, their offense is good. Like, they beat up bully. It's also a MAC team, so you can make the MAC joke, but they put up 50 points multiple times this year. And this oh, will yeah. be – I'm not – Cincinnati's defense isn't anything special. 
I don't think UVA is either. So this is going to be their biggest, stiffest test. I'm betting because Aztecs have been weird with injuries. They've been, even with guys healthy, let's swap, keep Ryan Agnew in the game. Let's not give Juwan Washington his typical workload. Offensive line is missing two players with Romel not on the team anymore. I got to check in the other guy if he's back from injury. But I think it's that combination as to why and the offense. But then again, like this Aztec defense is really good. And I don't expect them to give up over 30 points in this game. But I'm guessing the offense is the main reason why. And the, as I mentioned, the Aztecs lineup shuffles. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Aztecs handle Nathan Rourke. Because they have played at a very elite level on defense pretty much all year long what really betrayed them in in the close games that they lost was the offense you're talking about a top 10 offense by s&p plus versus a top 25 defense and nathan rourke is kind of like the centerpiece which you know i think it's maybe trite to say if you stop him then you stop the bobcats but when you're talking about a guy who has over 2,000 yards passing and almost a thousand yards running, uh, as well as nine yards per carry, and you know, by a lot of the advanced numbers, he's even more explosive than that. Like highlight yards per opportunity, for instance, which just if you're not familiar, it's essentially how many yards you get after you get past the first level, the first five yards. He's averaging over eight yards in those situations, and he has an opportunity rate of 66.4%. So he's good mm-hmm. with both his arm and his legs. Is it, real quick, because they're playing Mac teams, defense isn't great, or is he really that good, do you think? It's difficult to say. Um, because, like we just talked about with North Texas and their strength of schedule question, um, Ohio's own strength of schedule right now only ranks 126. Hmm. So maybe there is a little bit of truth to that because Northern Illinois, for instance, has a very good defense and it's not all just Sutton Smith out Mm -hmm. there, you know, but when you look at the rest of the teams that they've beaten up on, Bowling Green is not good. Bowl State's not very good. Uh, Western Michigan's kind of, uh, um, Buffalo's good. They crushed Buffalo. They hit, they thrashed Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, cause I think that. San Diego State's going to have the playmakers in the right spots to be able to, to match up pretty well. I think it's just a matter of you know, if if Rourke wants to take off and scramble, how many yards is he going to get, for instance, before someone like Kaiba Tizino or um, I'm blanking on his name, Troy Cassidy. Yeah, Cassidy yes. um, yeah, I think those linebackers especially are going to be really integral because they're going to need to keep him from getting to the second level more often than not. And yeah, when he played against NIU, that's arguably his best game versus competition. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost. Like, he, two touchdowns to pick, 275, 12 yards per attempt, 65%. And they sacked him four times. Yeah, and so that's, they get to him, but he still played pretty well that game. That's his, what, second most yards of the year? No, yeah, second most yards besides cruising against Kent State. Mm-hmm. So when he played a pretty good defense, he played fine. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think one of the things that jumps out from that Northern Illinois game is they turned the ball over three times, too. He didn't, though. Not, unless he fumbled. I'm missing that. Oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't him. <laughs> he, he did throw one interception. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one, yeah. I'm like three. But, but I'm just saying, like, it's still a stat line's pretty good. There's other things that go into the game, but he still held his own, I would say. However, he didn't rush for any yards that game either. He's mentioned the four sacks. This isn't sack adjusted, but 10 attempts, no yards that game, which probably obviously mix up losing yards and gaining some yards on those four putbacks. I mean, I think the the biggest key, which 
I, it seems like we come back to this all the time in San Diego State, is what are they going to get from the passing game? Because Fred Trevelyan very quietly had a really good November, one of the biggest play receivers in the, in the entire group of five down the stretch. But the quarterback situation was such a mess that it didn't really matter. And that was one of those things that really let them down, especially when they were losing three games to end the year. So right now, if you look at the depth chart, Christian Chapman is listed as QB1. Are they going to go to Ryan Agnew at some point? Can and, I can I get and, a guarantee and, and, and no fade? They, no fade pass? God, I hope not. <laughs> because I think we've seen them be able to, to set up the deep passing game with the running game. So I think that Juwan Washington's obviously going to get a big workload. But they're going to need that downfield passing game to take advantage of an Ohio defense that's okay, I guess you could say. They don't have quite the same level of star power on that side of the ball that um, Ohio does on offense. No. Um, I'm betting Agnew will play at some point because he's actually from the area, South Lake Carroll, Texas, which is near Dallas Mm. or near Frisco. So. Uh, he'll probably play a little bit. I'm guessing. I don't know. He shouldn't. I don't think. Assuming something's wrong, not wrong with, uh, or something is wrong with uh, Chapman. But I think it's clear Chapman's the guy, right? Yeah, I suppose so. It's it's just a, it's a mess. If you go back and forth, it's like when they said they're healthy, they still kept switching. Like for that two point conversion, they put an Agnew to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know. It shouldn't be because it's just dumb to do to switch around. But they're not going to win the game with either quarterback, but they definitely can lose it if they go back and forth between the two quarterbacks. That is basically the story of the season. <laughs> yes. Uh, I look who they're playing, Ohio. We haven't even mentioned Rod Washington yet, have we? I think we need to bring up him. Well, I mentioned him very briefly. Oh, well, maybe more than briefly because he's more than a brief player here. That's uh, true. He, I still want to say he's probably the second best running back in the league, third best running back overall. He just didn't play because of injury, so whatever. He's really, he's really, 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 really good. He had that. Oh, I'm going to come in for two plays because I first came back hurt. He had brought, round, rounded off. What was that that 60 yard touchdown run or something? I think so. Yeah. If he's there, just give him the ball. That's all you got to do. Rocky Long, hand the ball off every time. Just give it to Washington. There's no need to find a receiver I can't even think of a name of because they've been so inconsequential this year. Give the ball. To Washington, that's your game plan, Coach. Free of charge, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what's wrong with doing that? He had ten touchdowns and played eight games. Come on, give him the ball. Okay, so let me let me ask you this. So this is these are his amount of carries in the last four games down the stretch: 11, 21, 18, 31. Ooh, thirty one. That's a lot. If I set the over under at twenty five, twenty five. Does Juwan Washington have? Over under number of carries twenty five. That's blows average, right? Because he played eight games. One eighty divided by eight is what, Matt? Do you have that offhand? Uh, <laughs> I, I normally be able to do that math. Twenty something. Twenty. Twenty two and a half. Yeah. So he's gonna get more than his average. But if you take out, I'm gonna say over because if you take out the Eastern Michigan game and the UNM game because it, that's Eastern Michigan played a half. Mm-hmm. Mexico slowly coming back in. Fresno probably, I don't know why they wanted to split guys just because he wasn't playing well. I'm gonna say oh, that's a, that's a good line there, 25. I, I'll say over. He's healthy now and he wants to do what he can. I say over, but not by much. 
I think if they want to win, they're definitely going to go well, over. That's my point. Obviously, he should give them the ball 38 times. Well, whatever. <laughs> 25 plus. You're right. But no, will it happen? It probably should, but it'll be close. But they also have other good running backs, too. Like uh, Jasmine's pretty good. He he played fine in his absence for Washington. So that may chip away a little bit. But he should get 27 and give Chase Jasmine, what, 10, 12, 14? Run the ball That's, a lot. Yeah, that sounds about right. But 25 is a good number to put at because he's kind of on pace for just about 25 the whole season per game. Mm. Any, uh, we know we got better special teams. John Barron for them is going to make a 58 yard field goal, right? <laughs> no, maybe, well, maybe. I, I mean, saying. I wouldn't put it past him if it was close and late. Yeah. So why, so again, why we come back to it? Why is Ohio favored? Is it, I just wonder if it has work? to do with the, with the offense. Yeah, but I, See, because here's the thing you could make the argument that San Diego State's defense will be able to keep, Ohio State and or excuse me Ohio in check for most of the game, but then let's not forget what we saw in the finale against Hawaii, where even though they didn't really get much out of the running game, the Warriors were able to throw all over the secondary. Mm-hmm. They were able to keep Fresno State in check for maybe a quarter and a half, but they were able to they gave up a lot of big plays and they were just eventually worn down on defense, and so. I don't know. I mean, I think the defense is definitely good enough to keep them in this game. But I don't know if the offense has it in them to keep up. Mm. I mean, let's not let's not forget the only time they scored 30 this year was the finale against the Warriors. And I think they're going to need to score 30 in order to be in order to win this game. And I have my doubts that they can. Okay. I wish I got this email earlier from the guy from Jimmy Shapiro, the guys from Bovada and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I'm gonna make maybe I'll make this as a round table because it's pretty cool. It's like bull props and odds. And one one I just popped up that came to me was over under rushing yards in a single game. Mm-hmm. Last year was Richard Penny or excuse me Richard Penny at 221 versus Army. I believe it was Army. Yeah, they put the over under at 254.5. Hmm. Well, that's gotta be under, right? Yeah, probably. And Washington won't get that in this game, will he? I don't think so. Will he get over 200 yards? No. No. Okay. No. Um, okay. Here's I got. I will do these two more. I got two. Um, two more here, really quick, because I think they're fun, and then we'll kind of wrap up here. Okay. Will there be a single game? They put the over under at sixty one and a half for most points by a single team. Will any team get more? Get above that? You think? What's the number again? Sixty one and a half. No. Largest margin of victory. Last year, Akron over FAU was forty seven. And they put the number at 43 and a half. Will there be like any Mountain West game or any game that will be larger than 43 and a half point victory? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's a lot so. of points. I'm like, I'd have to look to see what could happen, but um, that I just saw those numbers. Those are kind of fun. So um, let's give our predictions here. What did um, what does good old S&P Plus say for this one here? Uh, S&P Plus has it about as close as you can be. Uh, San Diego State 31, Ohio 30. Interesting. Team rankings, 28.4, Ohio, 26.2, Aztecs, 24.8, 22.2, number fire, also Ohio. Over under 54, line three in favor of Ohio. Who you got? Is it lame just to pick our the Mountain West teams every time? That's entirely up to you. <laughs> I think I'm going to go Ohio, uh, San Diego State, sorry. It's going to be one possession game because that's what Aztecs do. That's their thing this year. Winning, playing in games that are decided by eight or fewer points. I'm going to say 
SDSU 24, Ohio 20. I think it's also going to be a one-possession game. I'm with you on that. But I do think that Ohio is going to be able to pull this one out. Because their offense can make plays? I think that, yeah, I mean, I think they'll be able to do just enough. And conversely, I'm just, I don't know that the Aztecs on offense will be able to do enough. So I'm going to say Ohio 30, San Diego State 24. Okay. So you're right about the over-under mark? Uh, well, what was it, 61? 54. 54. No, 61 was the uh, point most points by a single team. Oh, <laughs> Prop right, right, right. <laughs> That's a lot of points. Uh, that's fine. That's uh, that's cool. Um, so this game, like I mentioned, it's Wednesday afternoon or evening, I guess, depending where in the country. Here's our plan. Um, you'll be traveling to Vegas, so look for updates on Matt K underscore FS and our MWCR Twitter account. Matt will have some, who knows, um, he'll have some fun tweets like he always does, some good pieces being out there in Vegas. We'll be back. We're debating doing a show recapping the two games and then previewing Aztecs on like Sunday night. But with you traveling, it's not feasible. We don't want to put too much pressure on you there to get back and do your thing, having fun. So we're going to do a show next Thursday where we will recap all three of these games and then also look forward to the final three bowl games, right? Or two. And then we'll do the Nevada Arkansas State game at a later date. So that's our plan. So we'll be back next Thursday to recap and preview. So. And probably not talk playoff stuff, but Matt, we did it again in one hour. We're good at this, right? We are. We got it down to a science. Apparently, we're doing playoff talk three games, not six to ten. So, yeah, we'll be back uh, next Thursday at some point. So, again, follow us along on Twitter on Saturday and throughout the week. Uh, check us out mwr.com. We do have uh, ramping up some basketball coverage if you're into that. There will be a – I know our basketball show has been kind of hit or miss. We'll have one Friday. So, if you're driving to Vegas for Fresno fans, listen to this. And if you want to hear about us talking about um, – Unfortunately, Deshaun Taylor not being on team for a little bit because of injury. Sorry, we'll probably discuss that. But, hey, they're doing good at basketball. Matt, have you focused at all on Bulldog Hoops? Uh, I have not. Have you seen their record at all? Last I checked, it was 7-2. and two. They're good because the Mountain West is uh, not outside of them. It's, it's a little iffy. Utah State and Nevada, it's it's really iffy. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll meet Eli. We'll try to break that down and have some fun with it next show. But Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Anybody who retweets it, we uh, give you a virtual high five. And currently, Matt, we are working, at least I'm working so far on our, I, have, I believe I have my Air Force all-time All-Mountain West team ready to go. Mm-hmm. We're working on all those and look for that in January for, who knows, I'm pretty sure Derek Carr's your guy, right? Number one quarterback. Well, no, I'm going to be fair about it. You know I will be. I know, but it's also Mountain West only, not whack or beyond. Oh, I know, I know. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Well, you can say I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back into the archives. With, is McMarion really going to be your guy? I'm gonna watch some video, Ooh, watch and I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out. Break down the film. Those will be rolling out sometime in January. We're still working on stuff, but that should be a fun little project we're doing. So, yeah, check us out there, and see you next time, folks. Next Thursday, and go Mountain West. Why did I say it in a question mark, Matt? No, go <laughs> go Mountain West. Yes, go Mountain West. <laughs>